Aloha and welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast. We are here, Jamie and myself, Daniela, to dive into yet another fiery topic, long labors. <laughs> uh, also, birth labor variations, but mostly long labors. It's on my mind because I was recently at one and there's just a lot to check in about those. Um, so let's go for it. Long labors. Long labors. What makes a labor so long? Why do some women have three-hour labors and other women have three-day labors? Oh, that's right. That's what everyone wants to know. How do I have an easy birth? Well, first of all, quick don't mean easy. Just know that much. <laughs> it just means everything's jam-packed for a short amount of time. And sometimes that's really intense and it's too much to try to process in a short amount of time. And it's hard to keep up with. So don't wish for like two, three-hour labors, four hours, still too short. <laughs> um but yeah, and it always and a lot of people right away jump to like positions and things like that, which can be true. But we have also seen breech babies come in a couple hours. That even my own sunny side up baby came in five hours and was not crazy back labor and no stalls or anything. So, you know, so that yes, we can touch on that that it could be positions. Um, and but also as we often say that it's there's nothing that's a sure shot so i'm gonna mute this while i have my little squeaker and i'm gonna <laughs> let you take off a little bit and talk about positioning yeah so right that's the first thing to dive into what causes long labors um people often talk about the three p's uh power pelvis passenger and then i recently heard about the five piece so some people will add psychological factors and there's uh, oh and presentation hello <laughs> um so yeah we can dive into presentation right whether it's a baby so the ideal position is a baby with it's if their head down their chin should be tucked so we don't necessarily want them in a military presentation, right? Where they're like looking up um, or slightly up. Um, still possible, but those are some elements that could make it harder for a baby to come through the pelvis because that means it's a wider diameter of the head trying to make its way through the pelvis. Um, but so ideal chin tucked and hands away from the face, <laughs> arms down the side. Um, However, if there's a nuchal hand or two, uh, I've actually seen this baby come out. It was super crazy. Let's see if I can describe this through audio. Imagine you have your arm wrapped around your neck like a scarf, but us, our, our adult arms aren't as flexible, so we can't quite do it. But this baby's arm could totally reach around. So this, the baby's right hand was by the right ear but it wrapped around the neck to get to the ear. So anyway, so that was crazy. Um, so yeah, all these different 
extra elements of hands or arms or a slightly tilted or crooked head that's at an angle instead of just straight can affect the diameter that's trying to come through the pelvis at once and thus the space has uh, the pelvis has to expand more the tissues have to expand more um and most of the time people can do that um but it can take more time and sometimes it can be a little more painful too if there's like an elbow pressing down on the tailbone or or if the baby is as they say sunny side up where instead of the baby facing the pelvis or sorry facing the tailbone the baby is facing the pubic bone so it's the back of the head that's putting the most pressure on the tailbone um and that's that famous back labor you hear about um so those are some presentations uh that can affect labor length you want to add something to that well, I just wanted to interject in the the back labor thing because you don't have to have a baby who's sunny side up to have back labor also and I just think that that's something that you know as people who who sit with with folks birthing you know it's when we see a lot of back labor of course we often are like hmm is this baby sunny side up or in a funny position right because sometimes it could be that they're actually in a fine position, but they have a hand in the way uh, up behind their head or they have um, or they're they are what you were saying about a little crooked in there. It's called asynclitic. And so they could be actually like, you know, the back, their back is in the front, but their head is turned so much that they're and they're like a little crooked in their asynclitic coming down through the pelvis. And so that affects the pressure on the cervix and therefore dilation. And also I think that the baby and the, the, the body work together. So if the baby is working too hard, sometimes the body will like back off and give time for the baby to reposition. Sometimes you'll have long contractions that are like two, three minutes long, but they're also far apart, but they're powerful. Oh, my love. She wants to get into the drawer. Oh, <laughs> classic babies. Well, uh, sorry, where were we? Uh, the presentation thing. Um, well, another element of, well, we can talk about, about posterior babies a little more. Um, yeah, they can take a little longer if they're trying to turn all the way around. So if the baby's back is on the mom's right side, um, that's not always a problem. You know, these OP or ROP babies can often get pathologized because for some reason, the majority of babies start labor on the left side, but hey, the right side can still work. But sometimes that a baby that starts on the right might actually go OP or maybe they were already OP. Um, and then what they try to do is their back will try to go around from the mom's spine and all the way around to get to the left side and then the middle. And that can take a long time to happen. That's the scenario I just had uh, about two weeks ago. And it just took time and the baby's head came out and 
then you can kind of read what position the baby was in based on the <laughs> shape and molding of the head. This baby's head was, you know, it had a slight cone head, not too dramatic, but it was centered. It was not off to the side. Um, so we felt the belly throughout the labor and, you know, we could tell where they weren't, where they were, or, you know, if we couldn't feel them at all, we knew where they had gone. So it was pretty clear in this scenario that this was a baby that started out on the right and then made its way back sunny side up and then eventually came to the front. Um, but it took about three and a half days to do that. <laughs> And there's techniques that, you know, spinning babies is super popular, using a rebozo is super popular, and all of those things. And I'm sure you guys did things, right, and positions and whatnot to help rotate that baby, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen faster. That's not also to say that you shouldn't be versed a little bit in some of these things that can offer relief, um, even if it's to offer relief for some sleeping or whatnot. You know, some babies are very determined to come OP or um, in a in a mal position, for lack of a better term. I mean, if it's if, if that's how they need to come, I guess it's not a mal position. It's the position they need to come. You know, mm -hmm. so there are lots of techniques to help babies rotate into more favorable mm -hmm. positions or um, ones that are supposedly easier to deliver in but if people have trauma in their pelvis or muscle um in their muscles and whatnot um that too can can play a role in the baby's position in the body and why they are determined to stay in a certain position or slowly rotate into different positions um and you can shake the apples all day, which is a rebozo technique, you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the baby will make those those rotations or those turns if there's something internal with either the physical anatomy, um, whether it's a former injury or things are very, very tight. You know, we talk about bodybuilders and and women who ride horses and gymnasts and you know folks who have really really strong pelvic floors where it takes time for those muscles to soften and relax or they're or you know with injury scar tissue or not injury of like how things heal sometimes it just you know, there's no way around it. Um, you know, you just gotta work, take, let the time be what it is to for the body to work through it with the baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, a more rare thing that we will likely not be encountering, but it's just not a common thing anymore. It, it, it's rickets, right? Where people genuinely didn't get enough nourishment of specific nutrients growing up and their pelvis just didn't develop as well um, as it should have. And thankfully, it's just not something we encounter. But that's a true reason where a baby wouldn't fit through the pelvis, right? Cephalo 
CPD, cephalopelvis disproportion, um, which, yeah, it's a real thing that a baby genuinely can't fit through a pelvis, but that's not as common as it might be made out to seem. I definitely see it overdiagnosed. Like it can't be CPD. And then at the same time, there was enough space for you to fit forceps and pull the baby out. There might've been other reasons that made it hard to get the baby out. And the forceps were really helpful. But if there was enough room for that, then then, then there was enough room, ultimately. Yeah, and I also... <laughs> You know, nowadays, I think with the like overdiagnosis of a lot of things um, like gestational diabetes and, you know, all these different things of your baby's too big to fit and, and, and maybe you don't have gestational diabetes, you just make nine pound babies, you know, like that's a real, that's very real for some people and um you know, we don't know how wide the pelvis can expand. It's, you know, let's, let's, we're not living in the dark ages. We may, we may really enjoy and appreciate and celebrate traditional birthing practices, but we also very much know that the pelvis is not fixed, that it is held together with muscles and, and bands and that it can actually stretch and perform in ways that are different than we used to think. <laughs> you know, we've seen moms have 10 pound, 11 pound babies that would otherwise have been diagnosed as too big to fit. I mean, how many stories do we know of women who've had unsuccessful inductions ending in a c-section being told their baby would never have fit at eight pounds and then they have a successful v-back and they have a nine and a half pound baby yeah it's a bigger baby exactly right so many of those stories so remember the baby's skull bones are not fused together so they can overlap and mold and that's why babies can end up with the cone heads because they can adapt to the space but you know it's just a matter of like well time how much time can we give it is the baby handling labor well still is the mother still you know like vitals okay um or great are they good um and is she willing to keep going? You know, we can talk more about how to deal with a long labor, but we're still just talking about things that could contribute to it, um, right? Bigger babies. Yeah, sometimes the babies come out, you're like, you, you're, we can feel your back. Their head lets us know they're in a great position. They're in a great position. It's not a positional thing. It's just, it's just a big baby. <laughs> sometimes it is that, right? Especially with the first time mom where the bones have to, move even more all the tissues have to expand more make more room and that's more pressure it's more to have to mentally accept and surrender to um so that's a factor of the passenger uh i think maybe more rarely but possible is the cord being really short or wrapped around a bunch of times making it a little tighter so the body can be really wise and, and be like well we have to very slowly 
push the baby down so the uterus can keep up with it and thus not put too much tension on the cord. Um, that's where you hear stories where, you know, the baby could only come out when the mom got into a certain position or the heart rate was only okay in a certain position. And then the baby came out and it was this really short cord. Um, that could be a factor. Um, I guess that's the thing when we're in a situation with the long labor, we're trying to, you know, figure out, you know, you know, you have so much time to think <laughs> and try to tune in and you're trying to assess, well, what's going on? How can I best support this mother and baby? Right. Um, so we'll get there. We'll get there. The things to do, but um, we can segue into the psychological piece because like you were saying, sometimes the mental tension leads to physical tension and it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before too, that like, depending on what sort of traumas your physical body or your mental body or your spiritual body has experienced, pregnancy isn't always the best time to do the unpacking though being able to make peace with some of it without unpacking all of it is helpful um to know that you have a lifetime to maybe work on whatever it is because i do find that sometimes reliving traumas during pregnancy or especially close to delivery can actually be an inhibitor because then it's just so in your frontal cortex um, that it makes it challenging to push it aside. Um, but yeah, physical trauma, car accidents, sports injuries, especially when they're kid when you're a kid, you know, kids fall down all the time. They fly down that slide and land on their tailbone. You know, um, there's a lot of things that happen as you're growing and most of those things you do recover fully from but the body remembers certain things even if you don't really remember it so some of that physical stuff that you don't have issue with on a daily basis may present itself during labor um, so yeah um, and some of it is not physical but um social or you know stuff that we have to do deal with our our mental and spiritual bodies as well of mm -hmm. worth self-worth um and um surrender <laughs> uh you know it's funny some of the most controlling people I've ever met have had some of the fastest births and they're always surprised by that. So I, I, I often, you know, say that just because you're type A doesn't mean you're going to have this long labor, but it is good to sort of like check in on where your boundaries are and what you really can submit to from, you know, when it's, when it's not about you anymore. So. Mm -hmm. yeah there's no rules about it which makes the whole thing tricky um 
but there's some general patterns and we can only try our best to stack the odds in our favor of like, well, we know that in general movement, stretching, dancing, et cetera, swimming, but can, it's great for the body. We're designed for movement and stagnation tends to lead to a bunch of different kinds of issues in the body. So we like, we know that much, but at the same time, there was this first time mom one time who had a precipitous birth under three hours and she drove she 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 sat a lot <laughs> so uh, um but then there's definitely scenarios where we've been in and it's like well you know I, I, I wish there had been more of this going on in the pregnancy or the life of this person um uh psychological factors or just mental things emotional pieces you know is it a long labor because it's a intergenerational home and nobody in the home actually supports the home birth and everybody's on edge and the woman feels confined to her room and like she can't really just like let go and relax and feel okay she's just uptight and he has her guard up <clears throat> anything that might cause a woman to keep her guard up whether it's tension with the with her partner or, or her kids are around because no one's available to take them and they're awake causing havoc and she can't relax so she's got mom brain going on um yes safety is a huge thing if someone doesn't feel safe in their body or in their space or with their partner um, and it doesn't mean that they don't have a good relationship per mm -hmm. se, but maybe the person that they have chosen to be by their side doesn't really know how to hold that space, or you can sense their either distraction or their fear or their like, yeah, not wanting to be there or be in that role. Um, that of course as we're bringing children through we babies are energetic beings and so they sense things and i truly believe that the the person giving birth is also connected to that energetic space more and more the closer they get to labor and then of course in this in birth and and the several months after um, really heightened sense of energetics, whether people recognize it or not. It would, it would be great if they did, if they didn't just like shush that part, but <clears throat> we're also not necessarily conditioned as a society to honor those things. But safety is huge, whether it's your location, like you said, the multi-generational home where you feel sort of trapped in your space or, or whether it is you know, going into the system and having to fight for what you want, as opposed to being in a love space or even having, you know, if you're choosing home, but then not really feeling safe there for whatever reason, maybe, maybe it's, you do think it's taking too long and people start getting into their heads about time and how long is it going to be how long has it been how much more that can make people feel really unsafe if they 
are methodical because birth is not methodical. Okay, well, that's where that type A pattern thing can be true sometimes, <laughs> right? But um, just being in your head, we live in this time of evidence-based everything where this highly academic-based culture and that's great in some ways, but sometimes the more we're in our head, the more textbook knowledge we have, the more disconnected we can become from our own body or just spend too much time in the brain. And um, what I often say is you can know that you're going to have to dilate to 10 centimeters, but that doesn't actually help you get there, right? You can know all the anatomy and physiology, like all the freaking names, all the hormones, everything. It ain't going to help you get there. Well, and I think that that's really a big hallmark even of what people expect out of someone who is providing a care service is that they're going to have all the answers and they're going to know and they're going to have and it's it's not untrue that we are well versed and have spent lots of time and energy with lots of people who have taught us um and again i i owe a lot of it to the, the laborers and, mm -hmm. and 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 the moms and babies um join you know uh in that because that's where you get the little snippets of like ha ha you know <laughs> lying flat on the your back on the hard floor who knew you know like that's not the norm but it worked for this person you know but at the same time to recognize that like that's a collaborative effort and like that is every because it's so unique each time just because somebody your doula or whoever they they can't do it for you they can't see where you're the most uncomfortable and then help you they can help you lean into it but you have to lean into it like they can might see it they might see you favoring a side or or avoiding certain things but it's really up to the person bringing forth the baby to be willing to go there as well or maybe it's not the whatever the person the external person is seeing maybe it has nothing to do with what their assumptions are or their experiences might be something completely new mm -hmm. yeah well we can highlight that a little more right? Uh, the resistance versus leaning into it conversations that we have many times leading up to labor as a preparation um, and also in labor, you know, I often joke with the moms. I'm, I'm like, listen, all you have to do is breathe and relax. That's all. <laughs> um, and, and in some ways it's completely absurd because like and after 48 hours of that, <laughs> like, I've been breathing, right? It's like easier than done. <laughs> true, true, right? So easy for you to say you're not in it. Fair enough. So true. Um, and at the same time, I, I remember that this, you know, with the mom and, and she, she was having a lot of like, uh, like, no, make it stop. Just freaking out about it and spending a lot of time talking about it. And I was like, take all that energy and just focus it on breathing. 
and then ah, ah, no just breathe just breathe and then okay and she would and she'd focus and it was like these really deep loud breaths and it was oh it was really intense um so it's not that it's easy if you just breathe and relax the point is like don't waste the, the energy trying to do extra things <laughs> just focus on the breathing or trying to yeah escape it because there is no escaping there's no even and if well you, there is you can go you can go get medication you still cannot escape it i mean okay one you still got to deal with that car ride and all the paperwork and whatever and waiting for the anesthesiologist so you'll still have to wait a few hours to get that epidural but even with the epidural even if it works perfectly goodness forbid you're one of those moms where they didn't get it right or whatever but even if it works right eventually they got to taper off of it for you to push you still got, there's no way out even if you have yes. a cesarean you're still dealing with the aches and pains after on the other side yep that oh. breath is is so important and then and you got to raise the kid raising a toddler <laughs> <laughs> who just oh. keeps pulling the books off the shelf <laughs> Ah, uh, 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 says our tiny host. Oh, she's totally <laughs> laughing. Oh. Well, and that's why birth is the rite of passage. The teacher that helps prepare you and prime you up for dealing with motherhood and children. And right, you come out of it, you're like, oh, I did that. I got yeah, that. man. Labor and birth is like the shortest part. <laughs> Ain't no epidural for parenthood. Huh? Parenting is forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, she's laughing. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah. That that. But leaning into it, softening. Um, a lot of long labors I've seen. Yeah, it can be a lot of oh, resisting contraction hits. You tighten up. If you tighten up, you can hold that baby in for a long time. Um, and, you know, everyone will gradually let go on their own timing as they feel ready as, you know, and there's that um, to be respected. And it's just to be balanced out with also making sure we don't hit clinical exhaustion or the tap out moment. And that's okay. Sometimes people tap out and it'd be understandable. Like, oh my gosh, it's been three days. This is ridiculous. I'm done. Fair enough. <laughs> And I think that comes up into play of the like previous conversations that we've had about all like interference or not interference and, you know, just undisturbed birth and whatnot. And, you know, <clears throat> there are reasons why people bring folks along, whether it's a doula or a midwife or somebody who has experience in childbirth. And then, you know, they're the reason why sometimes that that those people brought into the sphere are maybe a little more like, let's get up and walk like I know you don't want to and I know you're trying to have your undisturbed physiological, you know, but there is there is a everything's a gray zone. And so like, yeah, physiological, except and, and it's normal to have a three day labor, but it's not really that common to have a three day labor unless you're getting an induction. And so like, where do you transverse those lines of like, this is normal physiological, um, but it's not that common. And then if we want to actually like have the energetics to, to stay where we are, 
you know, and again, there's no prediction. You could do nothing and maybe they are happy and fine to stay where they are. Mm-hmm. But you do start to sometimes see that that cracking, that like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't, you know. So that that interjection of suggestion to like, let's get in the shower. Let's get out of this tub. Let's get in the shower or let's take a walk or let's go to the forest. What? I'm seven centimeters. You're taking me to the forest? Are you? Uh-huh. <laughs> what if I have the baby there? Great. Hey, that's, that's the goal. The goal. <laughs> have the baby. If you have the baby in the forest, what a story. Uh-huh. But sitting here for a whole nother day after we've been here for a whole day, and, and you may not know how many yeah. centimeters dilated. And that's also fine because you're either, you're either pushing or you're not, you know? So, <laughs> so, you know, there's plenty of people that, that I think you and I have been with that we don't know, but we know we're not there yet. Uh-huh. So, um, right. I didn't check this one lady at all for three uh-huh. and a half days. But it was clear she was in early labor for like at least two of those days. And and she was kind of ready to tap out when it was all still early labor. And the way that we could tell was one, well, she was so normal <laughs> um, in between contractions anyways. And the contractions were still like irregular. They'd be like four to five minutes. And then eight to 10 minutes and then seven minutes and then 10 and then five and then all over the place still very inconsistent. Um, No mucus, no bloody show. Well, there was mucus, but no bloody show. And that doesn't always mean they're not dilating, but with her, ultimately she did all of a sudden start having bloody show um on the third day <laughs> so it was like nothing 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 oh something and it was shifting and that correlated with the shift in contractions too um so all right let's see we covered presentations some psychological emotional elements um the whole are people resisting those pressures and you know I'll, I'll just put it out there too you know you touch on the traumas sexual trauma is something that can be a factor again not always but sometimes depending on where people are in their healing with that um but it can be a trigger of like oh now there's all this sensation going on in my womb and my yoni and and you know that sense of maybe not being in control um can be a thing and again people don't even realize that they are carrying that until they are there yeah now like it sometimes gets reactivated like that they something that maybe happened that felt mutual at the time but then and then they've had this great partner and they haven't had to like re-experience that but then but then it does come up and they're not expecting it to come up because they didn't even realize it was there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, it's not that that happens a lot, but it can happen like that. And people are like, wow, I, I really don't like this feeling. Why, why, why? Like, I don't have any, oh, that one 
time or whatever, that one partner, things get reactivated sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I agree with you. I'm not recommending people take the deepest dive into unraveling and reliving and refeeling every ounce of all of that um, throughout their pregnancy. I don't think that's what you have to do to remove those obstacles if they're there. Um, but something to be able to not let it get in your way, whether that's just a mental commitment and dedication. Um, yeah, that it's not that situation too. Yeah, but like right. you're actually, you're a life bringer, that you are, are standing in your power, that you are this, yeah, you're, and sometimes just the words are just not enough. And I'm not saying that that's the end all be all, but I do think to like make a specific determination of what you had experienced and then what you are currently experiencing and those distinct differences that the sensations may be similar or triggering or that out of control feeling but that ultimately it is a much different experience and and like what you're doing is is significantly different than what may have caused the trauma i mean even previous birth trauma you know that and that just you know like that this labor is different that this experience is different i mean if you've chosen the same person to care for you, you know, and you've done the same things in your pregnancy and you're doing it's then you can't necessarily expect to be able to separate it. But let me just say that it is different. Even if you chose all the same, same, you're carrying a different human inside of you. And so to even if that's the one little thread that you can distinctly say is different, it is different. Mm -hmm. and, so I think that that too, like I said, because it's oh, peeing again, more pee on the floor, lots of pee. <laughs> yeah. And again, one of those things like, oh, well, easier said than done. And again, fair enough, yes. but it's still the truth. Yes. <laughs> it can be hard sometimes, right? But it does take a mental commitment decision. Um, and it might not be instantaneous sometimes. Yeah. And, and sometimes it takes time, whether it's time in the labor or time in your life or the pregnancy to be able to shift that narrative. Um, and not, but like, and it's okay to be in a hard place, but then just how do you not get stuck there? How do you unstuck yourself <laughs> um, to be able to move forward? Um, and, and sympathy to the fact that, yeah, you know, it can be hard uh to to work through things so but those are pieces um let's see something had come into my mind and it might have left about elements at play well yeah just the whole sometimes we don't even know what it is but there's this resistance to the fact that it's freaking intense <laughs> and there's nothing else to it's just freaking intense and I don't want to go there because <laughs> well WTF I feel like I'm gonna break into not okay 
<laughs> and it's yeah, back that up. comes up. Like, I feel like I'm breaking. I feel like, and how many times, we, you know, you're not going to break. That's what it feels like. You have to go towards that. That's actually coming back to that breath and putting that breath in the center of that intensity. <sighs> this is the trust birth. Everyone's talking about trust birth. So easy to trust birth when there's like the Instagram videos with like the music that they put on top of it and everything. And it's like, oh, angels. Um, but no, can you trust birth when you feel like you're going to break in two? But it's actually, no, trust birth because that feeling of breaking in two is actually just your hips expanding, your tailbone moving out of the way, all your tissues expanding more than they ever have because that's what birth does in order to make space for your baby. That's the depths of trust birth in that intensity where you feel like you're going to die. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's trust funny because somebody was looking at my birth photos recently and they were like wow even you look like you're miserable <laughs> i thought it would be you would be all like la 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 you know and i was like it i was it mentally i was actually totally fine but it was seriously intense like it it was much more intense than the birth of my other daughter, which would have been great to have the pictures of that one because I was all like, la, 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 la. <laughs> this one, like it was very different, but that's that like, I knew that she was in a funky position. And so I knew, I know, was it hard? Yeah. I knew that, you know, it was gonna take a lot of surrender in that because I could feel it obviously too and the feeling confirmed the inner knowing mm -hmm. so even though I kept hearing her heartbeat in the lower front but that's because I was on her chest not her back uh -huh. yeah that's what Are I you listening with the time. Doppler or the fetoscope yeah. yeah I didn't listen with a Doppler I think past 19 weeks. Oh, sure. Like right. As soon as I get here with the telescope, that's what yeah. we so. Yeah. Even in labor, I had a little moment where I was like, I should just check. And I was like, it's in the front. The heartbeat's in yeah. the front. Yeah. But it is. It's it's uh, that that intensity, right? That was the spot that I needed to let go. And it does look like I'm working hard in those because <laughs> I was. Yeah. And I love what you said. Like, yeah, you were working hard. Yeah, it was intense, but you were mentally okay. Um, and I want to highlight the difference between that and genuinely suffering. Because yes, there's a big difference. Yeah, like, and it's okay. Like, one thing is being challenged and cr straight up crying, sobbing, like, oh, make, you know, yeah. And going through it, that's part of the melting and cracking wide open in labor and putting your guard down and maybe even feeling quite decimated. Um, there's that, but there's a totally different 
element when someone's just straight up suffering and they've seen it when there's trauma that's being re-triggered or and, and then they're stuck there and then they aren't quite able to get out of it and in, the, in those moments I praise up epidurals thank goodness they exist because um that's just being straight traumatized and and that's um I mean I've seen people really try really hard to work through it and and sometimes it's just not possible in that particular moment and and it, it's different it looks different it sounds different um you know when you see it um yeah so let's see we covered those different elements of what can play into it pelvis passenger power power yeah you know like oh are the contractions being effective are they strong enough are they long enough but i think that's a slippery slope conversation into like does someone need a pitocin <laughs> which i don't think is the answer necessarily well, and especially sometimes when the body is working with the baby and if the body's responding to the baby then stronger longer more effective might be detrimental yeah yeah absolutely and come back coming back to the we'll trust the process but also respect the process it's like well maybe for some reason that's how it needs to be um maybe it's so this woman can recharge her batteries a little bit get a little rest the baby needs it for some reason because otherwise they won't tolerate labor um but I guess the consideration for the home context that I can consider um, think of right now is more so, well, is she actually maybe not eating or hydrating well? And maybe she's just so tired, exhausted, depleted that the body doesn't have as much energy to keep things going. So that would be a consideration for the power of the contractions. And then another consideration would be the mental piece again, where if someone controlling their labor, <laughs> right? Are they willing it away because they don't want it to get big? So they're keeping it. Managed. They're managing it. Yeah. I can manage this. I can manage this. I can manage. Look at how good I'm managing this. Yeah. I'm eight centimeters and I'm managing it so well. Totally, totally. And that's an interesting, something to tease out because it kind of gets confused with the whole, well, preparing for birth and be able to not control it. What is it sold as? It's sold as a learn how to manage the pain I guess that's what they say that's, that's literally the word yeah that's what they yeah. say um but birth isn't actually something to manage it's kind of something to learn how to ride through well you can manage it but also to allow it to build right I think that that's the distinct difference is that it's great if you can manage your pain yeah. but you also have to allow the process to move forward Correct. so you have to be willing to manage 
more intensity. Right. And that's what you mentioned earlier of people like, well, are you favoring one side or one position? And that can be fine for a while. But if we're going on to multiple days here, it's like, well, don't you want to have your baby? Like, let us like push yourself a little bit, right? We can only push people as much as they're willing to push themselves. Like, let's go on the walk. But they say no. And they're I just really like being in the pool, you know, but then you're like, well, let's go sit on the toilet. And they're on the toilet for five seconds and they're like, leap off. You're like, oh, if we just stay here, this baby will come, you know, I'm going back in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, And okay, if that's what you're mentally able to handle at a moment okay, that's fine. We, you know, we don't want to overwhelm you and go too far before you're ready to go there, but eventually you got to go there. So when are you going to decide to go there? Um, Eventually you got to go into that position that feels the most intense because it's the most intense place that's typically allowing the most opening expansion to happen. Um, where you feel the most out of control eventually is usually the place to get to. Uh, So I think we can segue into what do we do in long labors? I mean, we talked a little bit, but can detail some more. Eat, sleep, hydrate, activate, move around. Repeat. Repeat. Have a good talk. Talk to your mom. Have a good cry. Scream. Be alone. If you have people who are just doting over you and doting over you and and you're managing and managing and managing and managing, sometimes going into the shower by your freaking self and just being outside of the external noise, being away from the people and who's, who are trying to keep you comfortable and love on you. And all those things are great. I'm not saying they're not great, but sometimes you just need to be alone and realize that this is your job. And you need to go connect to your baby and like, what do we need? Because all this back rubbing and all this spoon feeding is lovely, but we're still here. What do we need, baby? What do we need? Yeah, absolutely. Only you can do the job of birthing your baby. Everyone else can kind of support you in some ways, but only you can do it. And practicing your patience. Everybody who's involved. Not just the person birthing, but mm-hmm. now all the people who are in the room. Sometimes you need to send people away. Mm-hmm. I know you really wanted to be here, mom, and I love you, but you need to go away now and go back to your Airbnb or go find a birthday cake somewhere. Ah, Get out of here for a while. Yep. <laughs> Switch it up. That's the thing with the long labor. Switch it up reassess the dynamics of all the people in the room sometimes your midwife or your doula will leave for a little while too because again that like oh i'm taking so long i'm sure that everybody else has other stuff they'd like to be doing 
So actually, sometimes it's super helpful for them to leave, even though nobody really minds being there. Um, because we all know what we signed up for, unless you're brand new to, to supporting laboring people. But we all know what we signed up for, but it doesn't really matter what we feel. It's about what is the, what's the dialogue inside the birthing person's head, you know? What is, what's the dialogue going on in there? Yeah. And we've mentioned it before. It's important to have some awareness of your birth team's role and the fact that it's this relationship, the reliance on someone else to help carry you through. It's a delicate line because of course we're there to support people. Um, But if that's your reliance to help you get through, that can become problematic because everyone else doesn't have the same hormones running through them to help them navigate the three days of labor, you know, (laughs) and you want your birth team to be fresh for the emergence of the baby. And in case anything comes up, you know, you don't want a sleep deprived um, support team. Right. (laughs) So I taking turns shifts really. Um, So one can sleep, the other one can support mom, et cetera. Um, what else to do? Yes. Let it, the people sleep, take time for yourself, eat, hydrate. No one wants to eat in, well, not no one, but some people don't want to eat in labor. And it's like, okay, well, it's not about pleasure eating. It's just for energy's sake. So just do it. <laughs> um, peeing a lot. You and I had a scenario where There might have been multiple factors, but there was a bladder, a very full bladder playing a role as well um, in baby being able to come out. Um, So pee often. What else? Yeah, all the different position changes in case it's a positional thing, but even if it's an emotional thing, it's to help shift the energy, shift the energy, right? Let's not get stuck. Don't let it be stagnant. The energy can get stagnant real easily in these scenarios. Um, What else? Oh, I think you're trying to speak, Jamie, but it you sounded like a robot. Okay. Let's see if Jamie can come back. But in the meantime, let's see. Other things that help through the long labor. Gosh, it's that. It's time. It's patience. It's checking in intuitively. Uh, the mother checking in intuitively, you know. <laughs> Oh, you are so choppy. You are so choppy, Jamie. You are so choppy, Jamie. Okay, wait, try come back now because I think it did this funny thing. It might be better now. Try now, Jamie. Okay, I don't know if Jamie can hear me now. Um, 
Okay. Well, I think she's going to leave and try to come back. So all those things, checking in with everyone who's around this mom, the birth space. Is it too much? Is it not helpful? Is it people she loves, but maybe isn't totally fully comfortable with just be walking around naked and letting go? She kind of, what might be keeping her guard up? Um, and sometimes, you know, you check in with all these things and, and it's fine. And it's just a matter. She just needs time to soften up and let go and trust and release her fears so, but in the meantime, if we're going to give this time, we got to make sure that she is keeping her energy up, right? Because you will get more exhausted if you haven't hydrated and eaten well. It's, you know, when you're fasting, everything hurts more. You're way more sensitive. Yeah. So if you keep up your energy, like, yeah, it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. It just means it won't hurt as bad as if you were fasting, right? So when you're exhausted, everything hurts more. All right, we got Jamie back. I can see you. Hopefully I can hear you. I was talking about the need for why staying well-fed is so important because when you're fasting, everything just hurts more. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's still. Yeah, still robot-y. Maybe try your phone. Yeah, still Okay. Try join us on your phone. Okay, she's gonna pop out and try come back on. So hopefully that'll work. Let's see. I just let her back in. Hey. All right. There we go. We're back in action. Multiple levels of technology going on here. All right. Troubleshoot (laughs) success. Are you good? Yes. Very Thanks much. all for hanging in here. Who knows? Maybe we'll erase that part. We probably won't. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you just get us in all our rawness, just like Bert. Yeah, it, it didn't last that long. It was like maybe a couple minutes. You guys will be fine. Um, <laughs> skip along. Just skip along. It's real life. Yes. Um, let's see. I was just kind of recapping the things to do. Then right, the eat, sleep, why those things are important. And the sleep thing, of course, you're gonna wake up with contractions because people are like, I can't sleep, I keep waking up. It's like, well, you do your thing with the contraction and then you sleep in between. And you'd be amazed, even if you only have two minutes. Micro naps add up. And Uh sometimes when you when you are having sort of a irregular labor pattern and your body recognizes that you're laying down and like trying to rest sometimes it will also offer you the grace of just spacing out and giving you that space and other times they'll actually your contractions will come back like full on 
because maybe what you're supposed to do is to lay there and relax your body as opposed to be up doing, doing, doing. So, you know, sometimes you get some insight from a place of stillness as well. Yeah. Right. Sometimes the key is, well, you got to balance out the doing with the just letting be and not over exhaust the mother either, but trying to do all these things. Um, and especially if there's resistance, maybe the laying down and not being able to tighten the body up as much is just the right thing. But yeah, maybe if the body is letting you rest with these spaced out contractions, enjoy it while you can. Um, yeah, there's a balance there. Um, and then ultimately, I think the biggest piece, as long as everything else is going well and is the will to want to keep going and it can't just come from the people around the mom that can help in moments of doubt for sure but ultimately do you want to keep going do you believe in yourself enough to keep going are you willing to keep going even if you don't really want to and you wish it would just stop are you willing to keep going though right just one breath at a time well, and not even do you believe in yourself, because I think a lot of people kind of get trapped there of like, I believe in myself. I just don't know what's going on. So it's like, I don't know why it's not happening. I don't know why it's not releasing or whatever. And, and there are things to not know. Like there, you may never have certain answers to certain questions. So it's not even necessarily about whether or not you believe you can do it as much as like, whatever it is, there's a roadblock. Yeah. I feel like a lot of women kind of beat themselves up if they, oh, you know, like if they do choose to go in and get pain relief and then they kind of beat themselves up, like, could I have stuck it out? Could I have stayed? Was I not strong enough? Was I not enough? And I just really like, this can create trauma for the next time around. So just being kind of mindful of, of what we frame it as, as well of like, sometimes it's circumstantial. It's not about whether you did enough or didn't do enough or whatever sometimes it just is what it is <laughs> and and it's not good it's not bad it just is it just it just is that and I think we also have a really hard time in our society of honoring just what is without explanation because we are so heady and we are so scientific and we are so you know, like we have to know all the great mysteries and, and there are some things that are just not meant to know. Yeah. And I certainly recommend nobody walk away from this podcast episode thinking, well, Danielle said, if you just believe in yourself, it doesn't matter how long it is. Like you can do it. You just believe in yourself. And well, I had a long labor and, and then I transported for whatever and got the things and couldn't well, tough it out. So it must be because I didn't believe in myself. That's not what I'm saying. 
<laughs> um, right. So I, I know that, I, but I just wanted to sort of highlight it just in case somebody sort of yeah. felt a little gut no. punch. <laughs> I agree that it should be addressed that that's not what this means. We've have spent almost an hour talking about the multiple elements at play here. And um, sometimes you have compounding factors, all these different elements going on. And, and we just talked about a few that we know about and who knows what we don't know about. And there's more to it than just, well, you just got to believe in yourself and then it'll work. <laughs> um, then everything just goes well or works out. Um, it's definitely way more than that. So just pointing out my only... Um, point in mentioning the belief in yourself part was like that it is an element even in a regular length labor it absolutely <laughs> is I have had experiences where the dad really wanted to have a home birth and the mom didn't you know or I've had people say I never really saw it happening here you know, and so that too, like if, if that's what just keeps replaying and replaying in your mind is that it's not actually what you want, or it's not what your vision is, that that's okay. <laughs> so like, if you don't want to do it, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, there's that, right? And then you long labors and you transport and then and then things kind of kick off. It's like, oh, you didn't actually feel safe at home to really let go there. That's not where you felt safest. You actually do feel safest in the hospital. Okay. Um, that comes up totally valid. You know, that's just the journey of understanding ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we can touch on the transports a little bit in regards to long labors, you know, um, well, they say that there's an increased risk of hemorrhaging with long labors because then the uterus is just so exhausted and yeah, it can be a factor sometimes, though, of course, not always, but that's also a good reason to stay really well hydrated and fed so you can stay strong um, to handle the whatever may come. Um, going in, in those moments of those long labors, I think is um, just a blessing that we have access to, you know? Oh my gosh, did you see the Game of Thrones? Are you into Game of Thrones? I don't think we've ever talked about it, but... Oh, it's not, it's called Houses of Dragons or something now, the new one. <laughs> um, there's an episode where the woman had this very long labor and 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 the male provider person is like, I'm at the end of my abilities. There's nothing I can do. The baby won't come. And then the mom goes to her dragon and asks the dragon to set her on fire. And I was appalled that they put that in there because it's like, no, <laughs> there's enough fear about birth out there. Oh my goodness. It's like, but 
um, I know that might sound really scary, but I bring it up because it's like, hey, I, I, I get how at your wit's end you can be in those moments of like, what do I possibly do? And there's just, and, and it can feel like a major wall and I get it. Sometimes you got to overcome somehow whether, uh, what, with whatever's available to you, hopefully not a dragon, but <laughs> um, yes, hopefully you're not throwing yourself into a pit of fire. <laughs> don't, don't do that. But, but we're grateful to have access to, to the hospitals here and, and medications that can help people get through those incredibly challenging times. So I total respect for that route as um, as an option for these scenarios. I'm not going to torture someone and be like, no, just keep believing in yourself. You can do it. Like, <laughs> I can't. I, I will encourage them if they want to keep going. But there's definitely a place where people are like, I'm straight up done. Right on. Respect. So what other thoughts, closing thoughts do you have about long labors? Well, I think that kind of like starting off, like we said at the top, like you can't predict it. And so the best thing, I think, even if you had a short labor before, mm-hmm. <laughs> or even if you have an irregularly positioned baby or whatever, right? So the best thing always is to just prepare for it to be long and be pleasantly surprised when it's short. And, you know, long and short are variations of like even what some people would say safety or whatever. Like some people think that a 24 hour labor is is short because that's pretty normal and average. But other people, you say that and they're like eyes bulge, you no. know? <laughs> so, so I think that it's just really, you know, the, the best um, sort of information or education that I think I can offer is to just, be prepared for long, be prepared for a long pregnancy, be prepared for a long labor and be pleasantly surprised when it's not. Mm-hmm. Eat, hydrate, take the naps. I'm not a napper. Well, guess what? <laughs> if you gave yourself the permission, I bet you could rest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, do the best you can to declutter your mind and de-stress and also recognize that it's an impossible feat to completely and totally do those things. So just do your very best and, and, you know, um, tune in and check in with your baby when things are getting longer and let them know that Maybe you're a little bit afraid and you can say that. Like, I'm a little bit afraid too, baby, but we got each other. Mm-hmm. I got you. I'm, we're doing this together. Neither of us are alone. We're together on this journey. And as much as I love you, I know you love me. Yeah. Those check-in things are really, I think, pretty, pretty important for our like mental wellness. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and my closing thoughts are, you know, most of the time when these come up, you know, it, it can be totally fine and sometimes it's not and that 
this episode is an all-encompassing of all the things to consider in a long labor. These are just some some thoughts. So just know that. Um, yeah, we can only touch on so much. And, yeah. you know, if there are complications, then absolutely don't ignore them or stay idle by them. Because um, sometimes a long labor could indicate some sort of complication. So don't ignore it dogmatically. Wow. Right. Don't don't be like, well, the ladies of the Woman on Fire podcast said I just need to drink and eat. That's and keep going. I believe in myself. <laughs> yeah. No, don't don't. It's just general things that we've experienced um, that we're sharing. But um, yeah, this isn't. If you want to take anything away from this, is that pay attention to unique circumstances and context. That's all. There's no formula of how to get through anything, really. Um, and then my other closing thought was a short nutshell reminder of a story that I've shared on here before. But the short of it is um, a woman had an induction, was pushing for three hours, no progress. They were ready to take her in for a cesarean. She called me. I said, take a pause from pushing, give it a break. And, um, you know, just, well, it's obviously not working. Take a break. Maybe give your body time to um, expand a little more. Maybe baby's got to change position. Um, she took a break for about an hour and then started pushing again. And then had her baby vaginally two hours later, six hours of pushing in a hospital with an epidural and she did it and the um, nurses uh, and the midwives there were completely surprised that she pulled it off so um, you know these I don't know I like the stories that defy the odds <laughs> so yeah that wasn't it's necessarily a good, it's, a good, it's a good story to share and yeah long push long you know but but yeah, give yourself permission to be patient as well. When everything yeah. is fine and there is no emergency and there is, you know, no complications involved. Sometimes it's just about giving that baby that space for whatever it needs to do, energetically, physically, whatever, time. So. Yeah. All in balance. All, all in balance yeah and tuning into the unique circumstances of those moments so yeah very well i think we're complete today huh? yeah i think that's super great we we touched on a lot of things and we of course always welcome folks input at women on fire podcast at gmail.com if you want to be a guest if you want to share your long labor story and what it was that took to get you over the hump you know, everybody loves to hear the wisdom of others. And so I think that, you know, don't ever discount your own personal wisdom. And if you feel like you want to share it far and wide, we're, we're here to um, hold that space as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All righty. Thanks for today, Jamie. Yes. Thank you. Good day. <laughs> Aloha.